Welcome to Is It Bedtime Yet? The podcast for parents about mental health and the experience of being a parent. The podcast that discusses what it's like to be adults raising tiny humans that make us all ask, Is It Bedtime Yet? Welcome to Is It Bedtime Yet? with Dr. Jen and Dr. Serene. I'm Dr. Serene and I'm here remotely with Dr. Jen. And that's hey. me. Hi. <laughs> I tried something new today. Um, <laughs> Look at us switching it up. <laughs> How are you doing? Oh, hanging in there. How are you doing? Same, same. Yeah. Um, but I'm just going to jump into our topic for today because mom rage is super real. Yes. Yeah. It's, Definitely. It's, it's real. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're calling it mom rage because that's what the kids in the street are calling it. <laughs> you know that's what they're saying um (laughs) but we we do realize that it is parent rage um but we're just gonna call it mom rage because that's what urban dictionary and the young folk tell us to call it exactly all right so what is mom rage jen do you want to take it sure so so i mean i think the way that i would define it as is like there's a difference between being angry and being rageful right so I would probably say that like rage is probably at the point where like you don't feel like you have control over your anger would that be kind of like how you would define it yeah exactly that loss of control yeah yeah well and I think this is such an appropriate topic for right now too because I mean, so much of what I talk about with my clients right now and with everybody right now is just the lack of control that everybody feels in their life with everything going on. Um, And that's such a huge theme that comes up over and over again. And so it's only, it only makes sense that that would also come up in our emotions, that our emotions start to feel out of control. Right. And like what that might look like, because, you know, some people might think, well, when I'm angry, I'm out of control or, you know, what it might look like is... I mean, an example that comes to mind is like when you're already ticked off and you're in that like rage mode and your husband says something and you just spew all this like curse words in his face and you you know what you're doing is wrong or uncomfortable or weird, but it just has to come out, you know, like that or when you're doing dishes and, you know, somebody says something and you're just, you just drop the dish because you're that angry. Um, that that might be some ways it can, I guess that that, that could be a way it looks to different mm-hmm. people. But um, yeah. Anyway, sorry, I yeah. felt like I had to give like an, a descriptive example. No, I think that I think that was really good. That makes total sense. And I think I think a lot of times what happens is that like our emotions are running raw, and then it kind of gets to the point, like we said, where like you feel you don't feel like you have control of it anymore, and then it kind of like goes to that place that you weren't anticipating it going to. Yeah. Um, And I think right now it's such a like specifically important topic because I think the coping, like we've talked before about like self-care and coping and especially like self-care and coping in this time of living during a global pandemic. And I think it makes it exceptionally hard because a lot of people don't have access to a lot of the ways that they used to cope or used to practice self-care before. So a lot of people's emotions are running so much higher and more raw, which leads to that kind of burnout or that kind of acceleration of emotions or rage, you know, in this case. Well, I mean, think about it. Like it's, it's, it's partially what, exactly what you're saying that we cannot use a lot of the self-care 
or coping tools that we typically would, right? Whether it be right. And that's because we're in a pandemic and some places are still closed or, you know, they're not as accessible as they used to be before. Um, So there's that component. And then there's the, the other component of having your needs be unmet as well. So you have all this like pent up emotion that you want to get out in your kickboxing class or in your weekly cycling class or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And then there's also your personal emotional needs, that quiet time you get when your kids are at school or or just the basic things. Like I know for me, a big thing was, for example, getting Starbucks on my way to, after I drop off my kids, I get Starbucks and I go into the office and that's my thing. Starbucks Mm -hmm. hasn't happened in months because we're home. So I, I think it's like that play between not having an outlet, not being able to express your needs and then uh, your emotions and then having your needs not be met in ways that we were used to having our needs met. I don't know if I'm making sense right now, oh, but that makes, that makes yeah. total sense. <clears throat> I'd, I'd add that. Oh, sorry. No, go I was, ahead. I, that was I, was just gonna, <laughs> I was just going to say that on top of that, I think right now, like just as parents and as moms, like our job is to take care of other people's needs. And we do that all day, every day. But normally what would happen if you have kids who are like of school age or who are at daycare or whatever, they go to wherever they go during the day. You go to wherever you go during the day and you're meeting your own needs during that time. Like you said, like you go, Mm -hmm. you get your, your Starbucks, you get your like quiet time in the car, whatever it is. But right now, like not only are we not getting those moments of, taking care of ourselves and meeting our needs, but we're also having to meet the needs of our families and our kids 24 seven, if your family is home and if your kids are home and if you're working from home or not working. And so the opportunity to stop taking care of other people's, even for like a moment, isn't present. Right. And that leads to burnout so fast. Yeah, I've been I've been seeing this with a lot of families that yeah. you know I I know or, or I mean even us where when everybody's working from home and kids are doing school at home and you know parents between you know their lunch breaks or their breaks between you know I don't know meeting deadlines they're checking in on their kids with their schoolwork and feeding them and feeding yourself and it, it, the whole day is just kind of like run 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 between right. your kids' school or. Um, and again, I'm, I'm, I guess we're speaking for states that are doing, um, or counties even that are, that are doing, um, um, safer at home still. Right. And kids aren't in school, um, physically. So yeah, yeah. I could see how a parent range or mom range as the cool kids call it, um, (laughs) is, is big, is big right now. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of it has to do with like, what you're doing with the emotions that you're feeling, right? Mm -hmm. Because, like, everybody's feeling a little bit, like, anxious right now. Everybody has, like, all of these uh, feelings of not having control over what's going on. Everybody has uh, some, like, pent-up anger or frustration around, like, what's happening or around, like, being with their families more or, like, not being able to get away or meet your own needs. And the question, like, that is totally normal. Like, I just want to normalize that for everybody. Like, if you're feeling that, that's valid. Like, Mm -hmm this is weird and this is hard, but it's what you do with it. That's really important. And so I think if you're not able to like process those feelings or recognize them or like 
do something constructive with it is when it can start to go awry. Mm-hmm. And for me, what I always, what I always tell people is the first thing you can do is to identify that trigger. You yeah. don't just explode into rage out of nowhere. It builds up. Like we said earlier, you know, the whole day with not being able to express your emotions, not having that outlet that you probably typically had um, and not having your basic needs met in a way that you're used to. And on top of that, adding a trigger, whether that be um, Mm -hmm. for me, it's loud noise. So when my kids are like screaming and yelling and running and chasing each other around the house, even though I know they're having fun and nobody's going to get hurt and it's, it's, it's a positive thing for them. For me, that's like, Oh my gosh, it's like a lot of noise. I don't do well with loud noise. Right. Um, for somebody else, it could be siblings fighting or when, you know, their, their kids fight or hit each other or whatever your trigger is, Mm -hmm. um, or, or or overstimulation. I know we've talked about this in previous episodes when, especially when you have younger kids and they're constantly wanting to touch you, Mm -hmm. like being Um, overtouched. And mm -hmm. yeah. So I, I think the, the, the first basic thing is to identify what that trigger is for you. Totally. Yeah. 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 Um, and then from there, I mean, I, I don't know what your thoughts are, Serene, but I think from there, it's kind of like figuring out then for you as an individual, what does coping with this look like? Because mm-hmm. like, I think it's different for every person and you can't really like give a blanket like here's our one, two, three step for how to fix this or how to like deal with mom rage, because I think it's different for every person. Like you said, I think for sure the first step for everybody is to identify their triggers, like identify what is it that sets you off before it happens. But from there, I think it looks different for every person because like I've talked to like, you know, all my clients about like ways of handling stress, anxiety, anger, etc. And for some people, like grounding and relaxation and meditation and stuff is their jam and that's what helps them and that's what works but for other people it's like it's laughable like they scoff at it and they're like I can't take it seriously that's not my thing like I just can't get into it and that's totally okay so I think like knowing for you what is something that helps you to calm down and what's something that helps you for some people it might be like journaling or writing things down on paper or even like making a note in your phone um but for some people, they're just like, I, like, I'm not visual like that. I can't write it out. That doesn't do anything for me. And for those people, maybe doing some deep breathing or relaxation could help. For some people, it could be like exercise. Maybe just leave the situation and if, if you can, if you have somebody else to watch your kids. And like, yeah. just go for a walk around the block and do something physical or whatever it is. But I think, the, so I think the next step would be identifying for you, what does coping look like for you personally? So what, what do you use for coping, Jen? That's a really good question. See, and that's what makes it so hard is that like we talk about all this stuff and it's so much easier said than done, right? And I fully acknowledge that like I can't think off the top of my head about like what is what's my go-to way of coping. But I think for me, like one way is kind of like removing myself from the situation a little bit, like maybe tagging in my husband and being like, your turn <laughs> and just kind of like, physically removing myself from the situation and like recognizing when I need a break. Um, right. If that's feasible. Um, because I know for me, like, I don't know, like writing things down isn't really my thing. I do, you know, I do some deep breathing. We work with my daughter on doing deep breathing when she's upset. So I do that with her. Um, but 
but I, I think for me, really, it's about like removing myself from the situation for a little bit or even venting, like calling mm-hmm. up a friend and just being like, let me just tell you what's happening really fast because I just need to like verbal diarrhea this out and just like get it outside of my body for a minute. And maybe that's like a form of journaling or writing is to just like expel it from me, but it's not like physically on paper. I feel like I do uh, that to you quite yeah. often. You, yeah. you you get texts from me once in a while mm-hmm. <laughs> that probably don't yep. make sense, but, but I, I just but need I to get it, it out there. <laughs> I, but, I, but I'm I'm the same way, so I get it. I feel you. <laughs> so would you say that that's sort of your go-to? That, I mean, it has to be really, really, really bad when I feel like I need an audience. That's when I'm like, okay, it's really bad. Like I just I need an audience. I like that. No, I'm, I'm so aware of that. Like when it gets to the point where I have to like, my, my anger needs an audience. Like it needs somebody yeah. to be like, yes, I see you're angry and I get it. That's when I know like, okay, this is, this is pretty bad. Yeah. Um, and that's when you get the texts. Yeah, but what you're doing, but let's, let's reframe that in a positive way, right? You're recognizing. Wait, isn't that positive? (laughs) I thought it was. It is positive, but let's highlight what the, let's highlight the, uh, the coping skills you're using there, right? You're, you're recognizing your needs in the moment. And you're like, I recognize that this is at a level where it's high enough where I need some other intervention happening here. And you're like, this anger is so big. It needs an audience and it needs validation to understand (laughs) what's happening here. And then you reach out to somebody who, you know, will understand like me. And you're like, this is what's happening. And I'm so upset. And I go, yeah, I feel you. That's stupid. I get it. That sucks. And then it dissipates a little bit. And so that literally like you're identifying your needs, you're communicating it and you're meeting them. And that's right. That's what you do. And I think at that point, it's interesting that you said that, that it gets so big that you're like, I need an audience and I need validation (laughs) because it's almost like, you know, how irrational your rage is. And that's what makes it rage. It's absolutely not rational. Mm -hmm. You can, you can lose your cool because your kid didn't want the dinner you spent hours making for them and they wanted to have cereal instead. You know, it could be just the simplest things that can trigger you and you know how absolutely irrational you're being about the whole situation. Like you recognize that your thoughts are not like typical for you. But Mm -hmm. again, that's the point of rage is that it's not just rage, anger or rage or whatever is not just that emotion. It's the built up of multitudes of emotions that were not expressed or not met. And it's just, it's all coming out in that moment. And you, you see that the trigger was so simple and your reaction to it was so irrational that it's, I well, think for me, that's say. what it is. Like, Jen, yeah. can you believe it? My son didn't want to have his dinner, but wanted cereal instead. And I need you to be like, oh yeah, that is bad. <laughs> Even though you're probably like, oh gosh, this is crazy. Um, well, but I think you highlighted something really important is that most of the time the triggers are things that are so small. Like they're things that are like minute and they they don't feel minute in the moment, but it's right. because it's it's that buildup of all of these things you've been encountering. And then it's like that one little thing that just kind of like tips the, you know, yeah. tips the board or like makes, you know, causes the explosion or whatever it is. Like it it's typically it's something that like feels like a very minor thing that ends up being the trigger, but it's really not about that thing. It's about the buildup of everything, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm but glad I, you validated me. Right <laughs> what I was going to say, and I think the other thing that's so important about all of this is the validation part, because I think a lot of times when people feel rageful, especially parents, and they feel rageful, especially at their kids, there's this element of like shame and guilt around it and feeling like embarrassed or feeling guilty or shamed about feeling that way towards your own kids. And I think that's another really common piece of this rage piece is that people feel guilty for experiencing it. And I think when you reach out to other people about it, especially other parents and especially other parents who you know get it or who you like trust, then it, it validates your experience yeah. that you're not alone and that it's like a universal experience to feel overwhelmed and like hit a wall and have yeah. that like build up an of emotion. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, what are, what are, okay. We talked about finding your coping skill, right? Finding Mm -hmm. how you're going to cope with it. And that's something I think everybody needs to do on their own or with the help of their therapist, because like you said, Jen, different coping skills for different people, right? right? Some people like different different folks. (laughs) Exactly. I tried to make it rhyme. It just, I got you on the rhyming. Thank you. Um, you know, find a therapist, work with your therapist to identify what are healthy coping skills for you or, mm-hmm. or you know, uh, just tr- try different things on your own. Um, take a time out or, you know, go and read a book or take a shower or whatever, whatever works for you. And if you're having difficulty identifying effective coping skills, then for sure talk to a therapist and Mm -hmm. you'll be able in therapy to identify coping skills that are going to benefit you. Um, So what happens after the coping skills are identified and you're able to kind of ground yourself and bring yourself back from that moment of rage? I mean, I think next comes like communication. I think like, like, first of all, like, first of all, like checking in with yourself and being like, like acknowledging like, Hey, that was pretty intense. You experienced some really big emotions, but look at what you were able to do. Like, look at, look at the fact that you were able to come back from that. That's awesome. And just kind of like patting yourself on the back for it. So communicating with yourself first, but then I also think it's important to communicate with everybody around you. Like, especially if it happened in front of your kids, like communicating for them and normalizing it and like you know, humbling yourself a little bit, but modeling for them and saying like, hey, mom lost her cool for a minute. Like, that was really hard for me to come back from. Let's talk (laughs) about what happened. Like, and and being able to like, normalize for your kids that like, sometimes emotions get really big, but it doesn't, it, you know, it doesn't have to be the end of the world. It doesn't have to be super scary. And it doesn't mean that you have to like, hide it or be shamed about it. It means like owning up to your feelings. And then having a conversation about it, maybe asking them what it was like for them or like apologizing to them if it got a little bit overwhelming for them or whatever it is. Right. And uh, modeling that you're modeling that you're able to identify what you did wrong and to verbalize that to them and to apologize Mm -hmm. for them to be able to experience that I think is huge. We've again, we've talked about this in previous episodes, but you know, when your kids see you doing something wrong or failing at something, it's it's kind of okay because you're demonstrating that you're not supposed to be perfect. Like, it's okay to make a mistake, and it's okay to say that you made a mistake, and it's okay to apologize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I just out of nowhere, I just 
realize what my saving grace has been when you asked me like what's been my coping and I was like taking uh-huh. a break I I realized literally what what it has been for me during this whole like safer at home like pandemic thing it's that my parents have been like part of our bubble like in our quarantine thing and sending my daughter away every other week <laughs> stay at their house that has been my saving grace and and it goes back to the idea of taking a break but it's not in the moment it's literally yeah. like it's every other week we send her away for one night and that has been my saving grace and that's been my like okay I can reset for even just one night even 24 hours I can reset and not have not be on parent duty and I think that's been my biggest way of coping that's so just going cool. back to that I, I literally like just just had that light bulb thing do so, they yeah. want um two more? <laughs> do they want two more? Children, do they want two surrogate grandchildren? Because I will send my children away if they're <laughs> they're willing to take them. I'm sure they don't, because sometimes I have to beg <laughs> even for that one night. <laughs> like I actually called them up there. She's supposed to go over tomorrow night, and I literally called them tonight and I'm like, hey, so how early can we ship her to you? <laughs> and my my mom goes, like, oh, I need the morning to do stuff. And I'm like, Okay, but like, give me an exact time. What time are we talking about? Like, when can I? Twelve oh one a.m. or more like twelve oh four a.m. Like, I, I need to know the exact moment that I get to that I get to decompress. So, let's listen. It's midnight. It's the new day. I'm dropping her off. Right. <laughs> Hope you're awake because here she comes. Uh, but yeah, oh, so what is what does coping look like for you? So I know you said like being able to like vent to other people, look for that validation. Well, I mean, I, for no, initially for me, it's just to get away to yeah. to go into my world of Netflix or whatever yeah. you know to just kind of mentally check out. Yeah. Um, that's like initially my um, my first like thought or my first like need, you know, um, mm-hmm. in that moment. But yeah. Uh, that yeah. distraction I guess I did like finding a distraction and like getting your mind off yeah that's of, a good one yeah and just yeah, like that. getting out of your head so you're not mm-hmm. in that exact space yeah yeah totally that makes sense totally um but again I think I, I really well we're gonna have an episode on anxiety because so much of this has to tie it ties into anxiety and ties yeah. into your personal experiences and relationship with the feeling of anxiety. So mm-hmm. in a couple of weeks, we're going to have a, on a, a special guest and we're, we're going to talk about anxiety with him. Um, yeah. especially as it pertains to parents. But, um, I think we should have an episode on communication too, Jen. Yeah. I think that's a really good idea. Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of times when we don't know how to communicate our needs or our wants to our partners or our kids, um, even doing it in an age appropriate way, it, we, we don't get the result that we feel like we should be getting or the reaction yeah. or the response that we feel like we should be getting based on what we said. But sometimes it's more about like how we said what we said mm-hmm. that elicited a, this different response. So maybe we should, we should um, talk about that and yeah. have that out there too soon. I am always down for communicating about communication. It's <laughs> a lot of communicating. Yeah. Well, I feel like this wraps it up for this this topic, unless you have something else to no, add. I, I think this is good. All right. Good well, if you have any questions, you know the spiel. You can email us at <laughs> isitbedtimeyetpodcast at gmail.com or find this on social media, isitbedtimeyetpodcast with underscores between each words on Instagram or isitbedtimeyetpodcast 
on Facebook. Um, for today, this is Dr. Surya and I'm remotely with Dr. Jen and we're still asking, is it bedtime yet?